Hey, everybody. Good morning. How are you all doing? Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It is Monday, May 11th, and it seems like May started really good, but then it's dragging. I mean, it's like, can it be the end of May already? (laughs) A lot of folks, uh, especially out here in the Midwest, in the industrial part of the country, have gone back to work. And just this morning, I saw where the baseball commission are actually looking into having people go back to work. Uh, And I'm like, are you going to go to a stadium? I'm not touching any public space. (laughs) Nope, not like that, not like that. I'm not going to a church service, nor, nor am I going to any enclosed activity where you have to touch multiple surfaces. Even when I go grocery shopping, I try to do it early in the morning when there are less people around and so on to minimize contact. I'm, I'm just not confident that we have flattened the curve. I'm not confident that we're at the stage where we should send people back out. And I know most of us are concerned about the economy. We all are. But I think we're not concerned about lives because from what we have seen, the people who are dying are people we don't care about. Well, we look at it and we're like, well, it's black people. They're dying. So even some people have said, well, some people are going to die. But I want us to think about the 1918 flu. That did not discriminate. But this flu is going to, this virus is going to, is discriminating. It's highly discriminatory. And it's so insidious when it attacks and attaches itself to the human body that we simply just can't imagine. So as for me and my house, I am just going to be like, you know what? Let us, I'm going to resist and stay away from public gatherings for some time. Uh, That's what I'm going to do. I can't tell you what to do. The experts are saying that's what we should do, and I'm going to listen to the experts. How many of you watched the U.K. Prime Minister's broadcast yesterday? It popped up on my my, uh, Instagram timeline, and I checked in. And what he says makes sense. It seems to me that he's following the direction of the science. He's listening to the scientific experts. Because that makes common sense. I recognize that common sense is not common. But science tends to be common sense. Science is not convoluted, nor is it twisted. Science is just basic common sense. And I think sometimes, because it's common sense, we tend to overlook it. But he's on the right track. He says, I don't think it's safe for people to return to work in mass. He wants to wait until June 1st, and then he's going to see what happens, right? So let me hear what people are saying because it's got HIV sequence. You gotta be kidding me. So today, someone just shot something in there, and I had to just—I couldn't believe what you wrote. Um, but that's something to think about. Today's May 11th, and we're going to talk about a new study that was done that shows that coronavirus is at was found in the semen of recovered patients. So that it, it, I didn't say survivors. Because survivors here could be people who never had the virus, but the rest of us are going to be considered survivors because we never had the virus. But recovered patients, it's important to make that distinction. And if coronavirus was found in the semen of recovered patients, I think God help us all. Don't you? I think God help us all. It's kind of like, whoa, pull the brakes on somebody. I kid you not. Uh, one of my viewers is suggesting that the reason it might have been found to be in the semen is because it has an HIV sequence. 
Now, I'm no specialist in gene therapy or cell therapy or regenerative therapy, but I tend to think that if it is found in semen, that means it's sexually transmitted. So when a man has sex, he ejaculates and semen comes out of his, his, his sex organ, right? Therefore, the person whom he has sex with can have that virus because that was just sexually transmitted. In other, in other words, what they're cautiously saying is that in addition to the regular modes of transmission for COVID-19, sexual transmission, sexual transmission is not one of them. It's interesting to note because what prompted researchers to look at it was that they found that uh, the Zika virus and the Ebola virus had the same methodology and the same modes of transmission. So that prompted them to look at this virus in much the same way. And I have, it, it makes you, last night I was up late, I, I went to bed and I couldn't sleep and I woke up because I knew what I was going to talk about today. And I began to look around. I started doing some more reading on this. And I went to the CDC's website. You know me, right? They probably saw my IP address just click, click, click through stuff. And I was reading around on the CDC website and they, oh, Jesus, all I can say is God help us all. The science is there. Science is common sense. Science is not something that you have to have a degree in astronomy to understand. Science is as basic as you getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth and going to use the bathroom. That's science. So it's that basic. It's not convoluted. It doesn't have to be uh, complex, neither in its application nor explanation. Science is you and I. We are scientific experiments. That's what we are, right? We live and then we die. You get sick, you go in the hospital, and so on. You take some medicine, and you feel better. That's science. Pretty straightforward, wouldn't you think? But when I looked at this, there's some things that popped out at me that I wanted to share with you. And one of them is that maybe this is is sexually transmitted. What if it is, though? How would you guys feel about that? What if if we find out that COVID-19 is sexually transmitted? How are we all going to cope with that? I don't know about you, but I have issues right there, <laughs> right? I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh, draw the brakes. Can you just see we're all not going to have sex for a while? I'm like, if you meet someone new, just like you ask about their health check to determine if they've recently had a sexually transmitted disease, the traditional ones like hepatitis, B, A, HIV, AIDS and the range of sexually transmitted diseases that there are. But now we have to add to that, have you been tested? Have you been tested? And if someone says they've been tested, you're like, whoa, are people going to admit to it, or are we going to ask for the proof? Like, show me your letter saying that you don't have, you never, you're not, you were never negative, you were never positive for uh, COVID-19. I kid you not. It says a lot, too, about our culture. I was joking with, with, with a friend of mine yesterday that if, if we're all going to get, if, if, if this is indicative of anything, it's kind of like, because most of us, most people today are, tend to be monogamous. Some people are monogamous and some are not. Most people have what we call hookups, booty calls. 
it's not unusual for people to have extra affairs outside of their regular monogamous situation. So that whether monogamy is, is in a committed relationship like marriage or whether monogamy is just in one person. Some people tend to just have random hookups or what they call random. They meet people on the Internet and they hook up somewhere, right? Those things are going to be bygones because now when coronavirus came in, you don't know who people are, are with. You don't know who they've been exposed to. And so just touching people's skin because the regular mode of transmission is through uh, respiratory droplets. So if someone coughs or sneezes into the atmosphere, it can land and stays on surfaces as well as on the skin. So we don't touch anybody. I, 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 somebody I was with this past weekend, I was near someone, and he said the craziest thing happened to him this week was that someone uh, shook his hand. And he said it's been two months since someone shook my hand. He said it took him completely by surprise. He didn't know what to do. He said, my God, I didn't know how to respond. The person just reached out and shook my hand. And he said it, it shook him. You know, he said he went into a oh, he went into a lockdown there because, you know, he was using hand sanitizer, spraying himself with disinfectant because he was like, this is so weird. And he said, we haven't shaken hands or hugged random people except the people whom you're in your household with. So what this is telling us in a lot of ways, it's kind of like you all need to be monogamous and only have sexual contact with the people you live with. So whether that is your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, your long-term partner, whatever that is, because you cannot afford to take the chance of having living with someone or just being by yourself, you're single, and then you go have sex with someone because you don't know who they've come in contact with, you don't know who they've touched, and frankly, people are not going to tell you if they've tested positive. How many people are going to tell you that? Do you know there are probably more people who have tested positive than are disclosing? The numbers are not lying. Here in Michigan, for instance, there's so many cases, right? The cases, no matter how they think they're flattening the curve, one day it will go down, the next day it goes up. So there are a lot of people who are testing positive, but they're not necessarily disclosing that. I think it was Facebook who announced that they could actually tell you who is positive based on zip codes and so on. You know how they got that data? Because people go and say, man, I tested positive. But I think this is telling us, don't you guys think that? I think this is telling us that it's time for us to be monogamous, that maybe we should reconsider our lifestyle and change the way that we we interact sexually, that maybe we have to step back and just have sex with one person, the one person whom you live with. And I know most of us are like, that's so boring. Uh, we, You guys are not going to answer, and I don't expect you to, <laughs> right? But you probably are thinking, that's so boring. I can't just have sex with the same person for the rest of my life. Maybe you will find that it's going to be cheaper and better in the long run. Because this is something to think about, guys. This is something for all of us to ponder on. How could a virus that initially just seemed to attack our respiratory system, and now it's going to attack us sexually? So we have to social distance. So for single people, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't, you know, couldn't do a meetup or do anything. And then as the virus wore on, you kind of relaxed a little bit. And say, yeah, well, you know, a guy got to do what a guy got to do. And then you realize that it may not be healthy because you don't know who they've been in touch with. You don't want to be in bed with someone 
and then find out afterwards that their uncle died or that they just came from a funeral or that they, (laughs) it seems to me that just being in the air around others is enough to make you want to question that. And I just want to say that I feel for all of us, I really am wondering for the first time, I kid you not, as much trials and tribulations as I've had, for the first time in my natural born life, I am worried for humanity. I've never gotten to this pace before. I've never found myself in a place where I am questioning what is going to happen to our world. I mean, I've seen weather catastrophes. I remember in 2010, everybody remembers that year? In 2010, when uh, people, when the, the earthquake happened in Chile, and they said the earth had shifted off its axis by about 6 degrees or 0.6 of a degree, but the earth had shifted so significantly that we had shifted towards the sun, and they predicted that it was going to produce catastrophic weather and weather phenomena. Since 2010, in those 10 years, we have had significant weather catastrophes. So now I'm saying to myself, wow, I, it didn't shake me. It didn't make me wonder. I've seen hurricanes, tornadoes, windstorms, floods, all kinds of weather, weather phenomena. This is the one time when I'm worried about humanity. This virus makes me worried. It actually makes me question people's more, how many of us are going to survive, pretty simply put. It makes me question what is going to happen for the first time. I've never been in this place before, and it makes me uncomfortable. I kid you not. More and more every day, I find myself really, really pondering the question and the situation of our world. And we all should be, because now this is attacking our lifestyle. I know it's not something a lot of people want to hear, because nobody, people want to hear that everything is going to be okay, and people want to feel like, well, there's some control and, and so on. I wish, but we don't have that kind of leadership right now. We don't have the kind of leadership that is going to take steps to make sure this does not become a widespread problem to all people. That vote sailed four years ago, and it's still sailing us fast. And now here we are, right smack in the midst of this. And right smack in the midst of this is for us to come to the realization that this could happen because the virus is already present in America. And it's not present on a minute scale that we could contain it certain locations, but it is widespread. It's everywhere. And people with underlying health conditions are more prone to it. People who traditionally have had systemic institutionalized factors that affect their health are more prone to it. And so here we are. And I just want to read you some sample sets. Are you, want, you, you, you ready for this? Just listen for this one. So it says that the sample set, how researchers in China arrived at this, is this. They did a sample set, six of 39 men. Four of the men were tested at the peak of the infection, and two of the men were in recovery. That's shocking. The study was done in Shanghai. But listen to this. A group of Chinese and U.S. researchers tested 34 men. And in eight days to three months after they had the virus, they found 
that these 34 men had the virus. I am like totally done. I, I, I believe, believe me, my friends, I'm done. Now, traditionally, this virus is passed by respiratory droplets, but to contemplate sexual transmission is something that none of us can think about. There were some other interesting things that emerged from this, which you and I might have thought, okay, it's possible. You know, one of the things that they said is that studies have found that the virus is found in blood feces. And you ready for this one? Cheers. This is why they discourage us from gathering, because if you go to a funeral, for instance, or a repast after a funeral, and people are crying, you may not touch anybody's blood you may not touch anybody's feces. You may not have sex with everybody at the funeral. You probably are not going to. But when someone is crying, the sample is it's almost like what I'm saying. It's found in everybody's fluid. So in, in a, as human beings, all these fluids in our bodies, every part of it, once you are affected and infected, you're contaminated. You have this virus everywhere. And it's likely, most likely, to be transmitted to someone else. If you cry, if you exchange blood like somebody gets cut and you rub against one another, feces, if you go in somebody's bathroom and they didn't flush it, right? You know how that happens. Some people don't flush afterwards, right? Somebody used the toilet and didn't wash their hands and touch surfaces. These things happen. And now sexually transmitted. And they're looking at it. They became interested in it because they found that after the Zika virus and the Ebola virus, that this was a common phenomenon. But now to think, I think what scares us most is that we had some control over the Ebola virus and the Zika virus that wasn't prevalent in the United States. But it was prevalent in Africa. And now it's here. Yeah. And now it's here. I think, I think we're all kind of stunned just a little bit. I, I found this stunning. Somebody actually sent me a link over the weekend. I think it was Friday asking me if I planned to talk about this. But once I had found it, I think it was Thursday night. I was just about done, y'all. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, oh, my God. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, this virus has come to infect and affect every part of our lives. Whether we are ready or not, whether we like it or not, we're going to have to draw a break on some aspects of our lifestyles. And for many people today who are single or who are divorced, it is not unusual for them to have multiple sex partners. I know that researchers tell us not to, your doctor tells you not to, but people do have sex with multiple partners, men and women alike. It does not discriminate. It's not just women. It's not just men. People have sex with more than one person, sometimes in a week. Some people will have sex with three or four people in a week. That's common. Yes, it is. People do that. They have more than one sex partner. They have sex. If they have sex, they're seven days of the week. If they're going to have sex four days of the week, sometimes they have sex with one person more than the other. But they have sex with two other people, at least two to some most people. For most people, they have three sex partners, three sex partners with whom they have sex. As shocking as it is, these things happen. People don't just have a a 
sex through uh, traditional means like missionary sex. People also have oral sex. So it's still a factor to consider. In other words, there's no running away from this. COVID-19 is a call to action to change our lifestyle. We've seen that. We've seen how we didn't realize people weren't washing their hands, but then we found out that people weren't washing their hands as much as they should. That was a radical change. Some people have never used bleach in their homes before. Now you find that you you have to use bleach, which is shocking to me because if you come to my house sometimes, my kids used to complain that the whole house smells of bleach. They used to complain about that. Guess what? Nobody's complaining anymore. But they used to complain about that, right? Because I felt that bleach was a better disinfectant. <laughs> Especially during the months, the, the winter months and the fall months and spring, when, you know, flu viruses are prevalent. I was paranoid, right? And now we've, so we adjusted that. So people are using bleach and are complaining about how their hands look. And I'm like, join the club. My hands have looked like I'm, I'm 70 for years. <laughs> it's a disgrace how my hands look because I've always used bleach as a cleaner, right, on surfaces. Then we discovered the other ways it altered our lifestyles was we discovered that we had to social distance. So we couldn't congregate. So congregative uh, situations that we would find ourselves in, like sporting events, concerts. And especially as we roll into the summer season when a lot of artists travel and tour and so on, we find that those don't happen. Art fairs, the things that we do in the spring before it gets really hot, where we go to art fairs and so on. I miss that kind of activity. I kid you not. You know, you could just go to an art fair. It's just just so chill, you know. The kinds of faith-based activities where we worship together. A group of people get together and are called together and worship together together joined in synonym and in union, in unison worshiping, that changed. So it affected that part of our lifestyle. We recognized that we couldn't go to work the way we traditionally did. We couldn't send our kids to school. We couldn't even shop the way we traditionally shop. But what we did not factor in was that this was going to ultimately, even if we said, well, we can have sex with people, but maybe if we know them for a while, but but here is the thing. The, the virus is said to stay in someone up until 14 days. So as a rule of caution, the CDC is recommending that don't have sex with someone who has tested positive for the virus until 14 days after the symptoms have dissipated. As for me, it ain't going to be no days after. <laughs> you just need to say that you have tested. Hi, I love you. We will talk virtually. We're going to commiserate virtually. I think this has affected our lifestyle. I think a lot of people are having sex by Zoom and virtual sex. Because we don't have a choice if you want to live. Look, I know that they want us to go back to work and everybody wants a resumption of normal activity. I get that. I'm not averse to your desire to wanting to do it. I am just saying be cautious. I'm just saying... It is not the right time. I don't believe that we have flattened the curve simply because the virus is not prevalent in all the states the way that it was in New York and Washington and and Detroit and in, in California. The nature of the virus and the spread of it, the the epidemiology and the etymology of it suggests 
that it has widespread application first. Until that widespread application takes place, I don't think we should go back out because when you go back out, it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, we saw that over the weekend where the new cases in New York were people who was when people went back out. What happens is the virus is still latent and present in the atmosphere. It has nothing to do with the fact that they were cooped up and they were immune. No, it has to do with the fact that the virus is still present. The virus is airborne. They don't want us to panic, but it is. And we kind of dropped the switch because we thought we lived in a first world country and these kinds of things don't impact us, and it shouldn't have. But we were kind of caught with our pants down. Our leadership didn't see it coming. They ignored the warning signs and thought this could never happen. It was just like 9-11. It never will happen, can happen, and boom, it happened anyway. Anytime you, anytime you start thinking like that, you got to be careful because it will sneak up on you. And that's what happened. And now, I wanted to, they're, they're still doing research. So it's left to be seen how long does the virus stay resident. Because in this study of 34 men, U.S. and Chinese researchers, there's one thing to say, well, the Chinese can say anything. But when U.S. and Chinese researchers found the virus in people's semen eight to three months after they have recovered, that tells you that this thing is there. We got to be careful. This is a call to action for us to watch our lifestyles. It's time to batten down the hatches, literally, and conform ourselves and confine ourselves to understand that this virus is more lethal and has more dangerous applications to our lives than initially thought. I know nobody wants a restriction. Everybody wants to think, oh, they're just trying to pull the plug on me, man. I, they're just trying to tell me to do something I don't want to do. Well, you can think like that, but understand that you thinking like that is endangering your own life. And, and think about it. You might just eventually want to do something and stay with one person, but you already have the virus. It's not worth it, y'all. It's simply not worth it. And it, it, what does it say about those of us who are in monogamous relationships already? If, you, if your husband had it, chances are if you've been having sex, you have it too. So this doesn't just affect single men or it's a call to action for single men to just random because we don't want you to have fun. This is a call to action for all, all of us. We have to find a cure immediately. We have to work hard at, doing, at investing in research to stop this virus and any other like it in the future. We have to do more research to find out what caused this virus. How did it spread so quickly from China to Italy? And how did it get from Italy to America? Is it the people? Because I read a, Washington, a, Wall, a Wall Street Journal report that said the president said he closed the borders in China. But between the time the virus was present and when he closed the borders, 450,000 people traveled from China to America. 450,000 people traveled from China to New York and Washington State and Michigan and Detroit, Michigan. 450,000. Even when he said he was closing the borders, there were still people on the plane who were traveling 
to China, from China to America. So that didn't work. So what we need to look at now is this, we need to do more research to determine how quickly and adaptive to environments is this virus. How is this virus so adapt itself? Have you, have you guys asked yourself that question? Does it mutate or something? Because even in Europe right now, their content, their, uh, their school uh, semesters are different than ours, right? So their school semesters end in late June. Traditionally here in America, it starts wrapping up by April in the South, it, it's May, and then in the rest of the country, it's like early June. Well, in Europe, it ends towards the end of June. So they're contemplating should we reopen schools at all? Because if you reopen schools, then people can take their kids to school and go back to work, right? But here's the thing that they're worried about, that children may be super spreaders. And you and I say amen, because little people don't always wash their hands safe. Little people don't always wash their hands. Little people touch their faces a lot because they're always moving. You know, our adorable little babies in kindergarten and first grade and second grade and so on, they're always touching one another. And when you go to pick them up, the first thing they do is throw a big hug on you. And, yeah, I don't feel good. My throat is kind of itchy. And I don't feel good. I think I'm warm, Mommy. Touch me. How are you going to not touch your precious little baby when they're crying? You see what I'm saying? So in Europe, they're looking at children being super spreaders. Because now we used to think that it doesn't affect children, but now they're saying, oh, when it does affect children, this is how it presents itself. They have problems with their toes. That's the first manifestation of it. And it seems to attack their systems because children are supposed to have better immunity than the rest of us. Because, you know, we've lived a while. We're kind of compromised. <laughs> right? Sort of. We drink and smoke. And we don't sleep. We're up all night. So we are not, you know, children sleep for eight, ten hours. Like, they're just dying to they sleep. You and I have to, you know, use other stimulants. But we won't talk about that, right? So children, we used to think, have better protection because their immune systems were stronger. Now we're finding out the virus also affects them. So this is a virus that affects human beings. So there needs to be more research done to find out the modes of transmission, the ways of transmission, right? And then we can come up with a fix for how to fix it, not just treat it, but fix it so that, because, so that it can go away and it won't come back. Think of it this way. You know, life-threatening illnesses, what we refer to like cancers, diabetes, hypertension, those kinds, those are long-term applications, right? Uh, you get it. It takes a while for it to activate, then you get it, and it stays with you longer. This virus, it comes in like a hurricane, and it, 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 it does destruction like a, you know, like a tornado in your body. It destroys everything, and then it leaves, and it's, one, it's two ways it's going to go. Either you're dead or you're recovered. Your body wins. You win. So we need more research done on it, and that takes time. Research takes time, but they have models to look at because the virus has similar applications and similarities with other viruses. So they have models to study. But in the meantime, though, what are we doing? What can we do? And the first thing I'm going to say is do not have congregations. Anywhere there are congregative activities, stay away from that. 
Don't go to school. Don't go to a sporting event. Don't go to a concert, right? I know baseball, the NFL, uh, college football are groaning, right? Because And the NBA is probably just like flat out broke. They're mad. But can I just suggest you all claim on your insurance loss of income? <laughs> Might I suggest that that is an option? Separate and apart from the fact that the government gave you all some money, can you all just claim <laughs> loss of income <laughs> on your insurance policies, your business insurance, your liability insurance policies for your business? Because let's face it, this virus is not going away. And I don't think that it is safe for anybody to go into that kind of thing. I think one of the things they're looking at is, is, is games taking place, right, without fans. And I'm like, so like video games. Here comes the era of video games. I think they better create some video games around this and simulate it. Because if you still think about it, if you're going to get two teams together, everyone on both teams will have to be tested, not just the players, but the people who support them, the coaches who travel with them, the doctors, the athletic director, the massage therapist. Think about that. All the people who travel with the teams anyway, the event planners, the people who go and check the stadiums. So you still have to do that. Do you realize that we're human and have done a lot of our activities and we've been doing the same things for thousands of years? The Greeks and the Romans did that. The Celts did that, where they gathered in auditoriums all over the world. That was a human thing. They gathered in large outdoor arenas and played a sport that enthralled everybody else to participate by laying a bed or whatever. We need to understand that that has come to a halt. Just friends, we're not asking to keep this going, to shut this down for the rest of time. We're just saying let the infection pass so we don't have a spike in June. We're going to see that in June. By the middle of June, you and I will be here talking a different tune. More people are going to be infected in June, and it is going to overwhelm our healthcare system. And then we're going to have to deal with that. And it's going to slow down the how kids go back to school in the fall. It ain't going to happen. Do you realize that? If there are massive infection rates in June, mid-June, right through to July, it's going to affect that. And I fear that they're not paying enough attention. All this factoring in, all this rush to go back to, to work, rush to go back to school, to resume face-to-face activities. It's highly unsafe. And a lot of people are looking at the models, well, it's affecting African-Americans more. It's affecting poor rural communities more. You're highly mistaken because it is going to affect anywhere people congregate. I dare say that we probably need to halt a lot of the activities that we are accustomed to participating in at this time of year. Do you think I like that either? No, because August is the start of football season. And I kind of have my own interests there. August is also when my daughter is due to start fall season of college. Her first semester, that's a resounding time. It's the end of May. It's almost the end of May. Her classroom instructions end around the 25th or 28th of May. High school will be over for her forever. 
she won't be able to say goodbye to the kids whom she has known since elementary and middle school in a classroom setting because now they're going to different colleges. That's a rite of passage that they won't be participating in, walking across the stage, getting your high school diploma as a mark to the next level of life. Like that either. I did that. Everyone else did it. So should this generation do it. But in an effort to save lives, not just for them, but for us, we need to step back. I agree with the UK Prime Minister. We should step back. We should wait it out. Don't let the virus run rapid. I liked his message. He said it's people first. He would rather people first. He said we must save people's lives first. Here in America, it's the almighty dollar. We're chasing the dollar in an effort. Let, let me just help you all out. The people who are pushing that the economy reopen are all millionaires and billionaires. You are never going to see them on the front lines. They're not the ones who are going to be opening stadiums and cleaning services down. They're not the ones who are going to be the unit clerks and the receptionists in healthcare facilities. They're not the ones who clean floors. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not the people. So listen, they will be sipping their mimosas on a yacht. Like we saw Gordon Sundland, the guy who was at the center of the Ukraine scandal, he got his $1.7 million tax incentive as part of the millionaire uh, reimbursement in the stimulus package. Yeah, he got his $1.7 million. He spent $450,000 repairing his home in Brussels, adding a new kitchen, and $95,000 to build a gazebo at his house in in, in Washington, D.C. I kid you not, people like him who own hotels will be sitting from afar in their own bubbles watching their hotel workers who have to go clean the rooms, uh, flush the toilets, and so on. I think we need to pay attention to that. There are certain activities that should not resume. I know that I won't be staying in a hotel for at least another year and a half. I just, I just won't. I ain't doing it. I don't know who laid down in that hotel, in that hotel bed. I don't know who did. Do you? Do you know who touched that TV remote? I'm not touching it. I am so risk-averse going to, well, in full disclosure, I was always one of those persons who went to the gas station and had gloves on, especially during spring and fall and winter. I, I was that person. I'm that person who used to have a, a hand sanitizer in my car as soon as I, like if I use the ATM or if I go to the drive through or so on. This was me and hand sanitizer all day. Consequently, my jewelry was always reddish looking because the alcohol and the hand sanitizer ruined my bracelets and my rings and everything. I kid you not. Right? <laughs> I kid you not. It is what it is. So when you look at this, you have to ask yourself, this is, these are the ways in which this virus has impacted our lifestyle, changed us completely. My, daughter, my youngest daughter was supposed to go to a concert in May, Little Baby or something like that. I think that's his rap name, Little Baby. I was like, who's this little baby person? She was supposed to go to that rap concert. It ain't about <laughs> They bought tickets. They were like, yay they were going to go celebrate because it was, you know, towards the end of their high school years. 
I guess they'll be watching Little Baby on Instagram and YouTube. Oh, no, they don't do that. They do uh, Snapchat and TikTok. <laughs> right? I think I have a TikTok account, y'all. <laughs> you know how that is, right? With this virus, there's no return from this virus. Life is not going to be normal for a while. And I think we need to accept that. No shame in your game. No shame in my game. We need to adjust to the realities of the pandemic. We haven't respected it. We think that we can treat it the way that it can be treated. It's not the same. We look at people and we say, well, it's only affecting African-Americans. So if it's only affecting African-Americans, it's not going to affect me. That's not true. It's hitting rural America where whites are. They're just not reporting it because they don't want their numbers to look bad. It becomes a game of politics. We're playing a gamble with people's lives as if lives don't matter. This study looked at American men and Chinese men. It just looked at people. It didn't factor in race, did not factor into the study that it was found in the semen of recovered patients. This was not about race. In America, we make everything about race. For a society that claims to be progressive, it's amazing to me how everything becomes centered around race. Even a virus. Even the modes of transmission. Even the people who were killed as a result of this virus. It becomes a question and centers around the color of people's skin. I I am here to tell you, this virus is no respecter of persons. It's not discriminating. It is in the semen of recovered patients. It didn't say it was in the semen of recovered black patients or Chinese patients. It says semen, period. It's no respecter of persons. It's leveling the playing field. What are you going to do about it? It's simply asking, what are you going to do? Are you going to change? Are you going to do something? My friends, we need to change. Because this virus is not going anywhere right now. And it's going to be here for some time. And my fear, when I look at this, my concern, my driving concern, is that we have not respected it, paid it, the attention that it needs to pay. We have dismissed the science as basic and as common sense as the scientific advice has been, we've dismissed it in light of economics. We have put people and put profits over people. We have demanded that people go back to work so we can make money, even if it means risking their lives. We have dismissed people as unimportant. How precarious is our democracy and our our way of life? It took only four years for us to finally come to terms with the fact that we have always put profits over people. Is that what that is? That's what we're doing. The virus is saying, come on, pay attention. We need to do that. My name is Harriet Kimmock. Thank you so much for joining me. Go to Amazon.com and get a copy of my book, Through the Fire. Anywhere books are sold, anywhere you are in the world, you can find a copy of my book, through the fire in your language. Help us as we continue to help women around the country who have experienced domestic violence and who right now, staying at home and and shelter in place, 
is causing them to uh, to feel the effects of violence in their homes. So go to my website, harrykimmick.com, for more ways in which you can find my book. But readily available on Amazon.com. You can just Google Harriet Kemmock book, and you'll find my books are readily available. I have a landing page on Google. You will be able to find my books and the links to buying those books as well. You can also listen to more episodes of my podcast, Down to Earth, on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and anywhere, Podcorn, and on any other podcast platform, wherever you are in the world. There are some places in the world where it's more prevalent, and some platforms are more prevalent. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been another edition of Down to Earth. It's Monday, May 11th, 2020. And to all of us in the United Kingdom, in Canada, and here at home, I just want to say, be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you.